Hello, I'm Alma Schneider. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mother of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. And I am Iris Miller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and the proud mother of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising children with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms, No Fluff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Moms, No Fluff, the podcast in which we discuss all things related to parenting children with disabilities. I'm Alma Schneider, and I'm here with my friend and partner, Iris Meller, and we are very happy to have you here today. We have an exciting topic that Iris is going to let you in on. Yes, Alma, hello. I'm very excited and happy to be here. And the topic of the day, uh, while we use a lot of time in this podcast to talk about how people's attitudes sometimes are a true barrier for children and really make an incredible effect on our quality of life, today we are going to talk about physical barriers the problem of physical inaccessibility and how that can affect people with disabilities in general, and also their family, their caregivers, and their friends. So when we're talking about physical accessibility, I'll kind of allow myself to continue on. Uh, it's basically the, the things, the structural barriers that make it impossible for people with disabilities to interact with their a built environment in a way that allows them the same access to a service, to a place of gathering, to an activity like anybody else. And for that, I don't know if you know, Alma, there are two pieces of legislation in the United States that really affect how we design spaces and what we do about accessibility. One of them is the Architectural Barrier Act, that was uh, put into effect in 1968. And oh. the other one is actually a disability right legislation that we're all very well familiar with. And that is the American with Disabilities Act from 1990. And those two pieces of legislation as helpful as they are, are just giving us the very minimum basic guideline in terms of accessibility. And I want to use this episode today to ask people to really, really think and move above and beyond the American with Disabilities Act. This piece of legislation is from 30 something years ago, 32 to be accurate. Mm -hmm. And it's time for us to allow people with disabilities much more than what the American with Disabilities Act requires. So we'll talk about it more in depth as we continue to discuss this, but uh, this is a really, really crucial, um, I guess, area, because if people cannot walk in to your place of gathering, it doesn't matter how awesome the program is, they cannot join. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely true. And as one of the chants went in our Disability Pride Parade last year, a step is a wall. A step is a wall. It may look like a small little step to the general population, but for people who are using wheelchairs or who might have crutches, that step is a wall and it's an impediment to entering a space. 
So I want to tell a little story about something that happened um, that I heard about where there were some people, there was a person who uh, had a seeing eye dog um, in our town and two establishments didn't let him in. And this was really an example of really just education, uh, knowing that it is the law to be able to let someone enter your, your business, your building, your business, your organization with a seeing eye dog. And people, not everybody knows. And it falls on allies and people with disabilities to, to educate the masses. Uh, this is, I'm on the People with Disabilities Committee of the, in the town of Montclair and our committee created a letter talking about letting every, that every business is going to be able to get explaining number one, that it's the law, but that it's also good for business because you're having more people be patrons of your business, but also you're showing other people that you are an inclusive, welcoming setting. So it's not just, oh, let's let these poor people in who are disabled. It's, it is number one, morally the right thing to do, but it's also hits your bottom line, which is um, it's good for business. So I don't have that much to say about the physical disability, but I'll be talking in, a, I mean, I'm sorry, physical uh, accessibility, but I am gonna be talking a little bit more about um, accessibility that um, affects other types of, of uh, disability. Back um, to you. Yes, I'm going to bring us back to a point that I know you have a lot to say about, and both of us have experienced creating those in the past, and that is accessible playgrounds. Now, we each had our own baby project with the wheelchair accessible playgrounds. And this by coincidence, by coincidence. Yes, yes, I know, but birds of a feather. <laughs> so what I wanted to say about that, especially here in a podcast that is dedicated for parenting kids with disabilities, there is something that is so crucial to, you know, development of children, and that is playgrounds. We all take it for granted that our kids would be allowed into playgrounds and we all take it for granted that they will be able hopefully to one day swing on a swing, uh, go down a slide and use a merry-go-round to kind of twirl around themselves. But the reality is that the kids that need that kinesthetic and vestibular simulation most are kids usually with disabilities. Every little child, when they learn how to walk and they are growing kind of into their motor self, they know how to jump, how to turn around time and time again and create all of those uh, kinesthetic uh, stimulation that help the brain develop to the best that it's can. it can. Kids with disabilities, when they are confined to a wheelchair, they don't have a way to create that stimulation for themselves. And this is why playgrounds that are wheelchair accessible are so important specifically for kids that do have brain injuries, that do have lack of typical brain development and they need that extra help. And mm -hmm. if you live in a county that does not offer a playground like that, you are in a deep problem, which means that you'll have to start advocating and create a change like Alma and I did in our past and are still doing today 
It is really, really important. Playgrounds are essential and they are almost like a universal need that all children have. And we want our kids not only to enjoy playing in the different stations, you know, in the playground, we want our kids to have the opportunity to be outdoors and to interact with other children. And this is something that is important, not just for our children, but for the other children as well, that they see our kids with disabilities, that they know how to play with them. And I really invite everyone who's listening today, if you know that there is a playground near your house and it's not wheelchair accessible, do something about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will add on that there are lots of things that allies can do, as well as parents and family members of and people who have disabilities. Um, one of them that I will first talk about what was done with Iris that um, our good friend Leslie Scammell created a petition uh, with Iris and had thousands of people sign it to say we want this to have fully accessible equipment and it worked and the accessible equipment um, was put in. That was not a, not that difficult a task. Um, in uh, our playground in Montclair, New Jersey, we got the whole community involved by, um, we, we were creative and we created a, a CD uh, back in the day when CDs were a big thing. Um, about 10, uh, boy, this was probably about close to 15 years ago now, but we got, we uh, created a CD of local musicians and we had all the, the uh, businesses or many, many businesses sell the CD and all the profits went to uh, this universally accessible playground that was very costly and we were helping the state uh, pay for it because it, it was a park um, that needed to be, to be redone, but it was gonna be very, very costly. So we helped raise a lot of funds by selling the CD, by having lots of articles in the local newspaper about the need for a universal access playground. And it happened. It, you know, it was started years before by uh, the disability, the People with Disabilities Committee in Montclair. And um, I was very honored to be a part of the, the, the committee that that actually made it come to fruition. So it took a community, it took the whole village and people, it really took awareness raising to let people know that your children, whether they have a disability or not, are going to benefit from this playground for exactly what Iris just said. They will become familiar with people from a young age who have disabilities and um, it all starts with play. Yes, Alma, and uh, I focused a bit more about uh, people who are wheelchair users, but mm -hmm. a playground can be inclusive in so many ways to so many children with different disabilities if there is uh, enough thought and attention put mm -hmm. into who is going to use it, if they're going to, and how. And as we kind of aim to serve the most variety of disabilities, all the typical children can gain from that design and benefit from the use of the playground much more. So mm -hmm. there, there are some uh, principles that, uh, for example, something that always is mind boggling to me that um, in a playground, the majority of the time you see that there is a, a garden or a yard nearby and people do think about planting things to beautify the place, mm -hmm. but they don't think about how to plant uh, the, uh, I guess, 
to plan things so they make it easier for kids who are blind and visually impaired to find their way around the playground by the scent of the different plant, um, plants that are there, or mm -hmm. also by the different sounds that different leaves make when they rattle. And this is something so easy to do and requires mm -hmm. so little attention. But if it's done right, it's just, it puts another layer of accessibility into the place. Uh, I hope that when people think about events or gatherings or play opportunities, they do think to make a comment in their advertisement or in their invitation. If you need a sign language interpreter, call mm -hmm. this number or email us because mm -hmm. many times you won't have any guests that needs that service. But when there is someone that requires that uh, accessibility feature, how amazing it is to be able to offer that service to your clients or to your customers. So sometimes it's just a little kind of add-on, a little bit of extra thought to put into programming mm -hmm. that makes a world of a difference, not just for an individual, for the community as a whole, because other people see it and they look differently at you and your organization. And you're giving me a great idea for our upcoming Parents Who Rock concert that is in a wheelchair accessible location. I'm going to put that on the flyer. I'm going to ask our web person, Liz Uva, to put that on our flyer because I think that that's really important to just let people know, you know, we've thought about that. We've thought about that. And if you need any other accommodations, let us know. Um, I want to tell you that I'm very proud that our town is actually putting together a sensory garden like you just described, and it will be wheelchair accessible and it will have a, um, it'll be enclosed so that children who elope, who run off, will be safe in there as well. And um, I, I'm not sure about the sounds to be able to follow, you know, the rattling to see where you are, but I'm going to find out about that. But we are putting together a sensory garden in Montclair that uh, the People with Disabilities Committee is helping the Northeast Coalition, it's called, create this, um, this amazing garden. So every, I, I guess it's just a, a matter of anything that we're, we're involved in, or if you know someone organizing some kind of a program to always have the disability piece as part of um, what you're doing. And in our town of Montclair, the, and I'm sure that every town has, or hopefully has a disability committee as part of the town um, to have festivals uh, be accessible. And that's something that everybody um, on our committee is working with as well, making sure that every festival that we have in our town has um, has awareness of whoever's organizing it is, is making room for accommodations so that everyone can be included. Yes, Alma, something else about uh, accessibility that you just reminded me. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is an example that I would like to borrow from the uh, subway system in New Delhi, in India. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> when they developed their new subway system, they had to kind of deal with the situation that there is a, a big uh, group of people that are illiterate and writing instructions and naming the different lines would be a, basically a barrier for use to so many people. So mm -hmm. what they did is they bypassed that by color coding all the lines. So you're either taking the purple line, the green line, the red line, and then you kind of know from where to where. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. to add a layer to that, all of those different lines are marked on the floor uh, 
in a way that, uh, let's say, the purple line is symbolized by little asterisks on the pavement, and mm -hmm. the green line is little uh, rectangles, and the red line is little circles, so you can feel it if you're right. walking barefoot, which mm -hmm. many people are yeah. walking barefoot there. You can feel it as you walk, and you can also uh, use a white cane to kind of find your way and know which um, trail you're supposed to follow to get to the right uh, level or the right platform to get to your train. So this is something that can be applied so easily in playgrounds, yeah. to, can be applied easily in places uh, that offer, uh, let's say, tr different trails in nature or different mm -hmm. uh, trails, let's say, in an expo uh, space, etc. Something mm -hmm. to think about. Yeah. Um, and now I want to do a very important uh, cut into one of my favorite topics, which is restrooms. Now, <laughs> all here in the United States, given we are not in India, the expectation is to have an easy access to sanitary facility. And if nature calls and you need to go, you can go in a dignified way. This is not the reality for so many people who are wheelchair users in the United States and beyond. Mm -hmm. And what we need to acknowledge is, again, that the American with Disabilities Act allows people the basic minimum requirement, which is access into that bathroom stall. But how does a person who's a wheelchair user go into that stall if they have not just a wheelchair, but they have a communication device attached to the wheelchair that makes the wheelchair much longer? And also mm -hmm. they have a service dog attached to their wheelchair and in addition sometimes they need the help of another person or two can all of that equipment fit into a ada accessible bathroom stall the answer people is no now in addition to that i want you just to imagine yourself if you are very old and can no longer lift yourself or you just don't have you've been amputated you don't have your uh, upper extremities you cannot lift yourself off the wheelchair to the toilet. How do you magically make that transition from your wheelchair onto the toilet? This is not just a hypothetical scenario. There are so many people that have that problem. And Alma, I want to bring into everyone's attention, if you don't know what changing places restrooms are, I want to tell you about a grassroots movement that started in the United Kingdom by two moms, Alma, nothing less than two moms, the biggest changes, it's two moms that started protesting because they were sick and tired of changing their children on dirty bathroom floors because there wasn't an adult changing table that would fit a child that is older than three years old. And they started protesting and created a model for an all access restroom that includes an adult changing table that is also height adjustable, a sink that is wheelchair accessible and sometimes even height adjustable itself. Mm. Restrooms had automatic door openers and a ceiling lift system to lift an adult from their wheelchair onto the toilet or onto the adult changing table. And all of that with a privacy screen and sometimes also with a shower uh, stall or shower um, head that they can wash an individual if need be. Now, those restrooms are catching like fire all around the Europe, Australia, New Zealand. And now Midland, Michigan, with Not Iris Miller. Yes, <laughs> but our small town, you are correct, Alma, of Midland, Michigan, 
is now in the process of creating 10 of those yeah, universal access changing places restrooms. Thanks to Iris Miller. Thanks <laughs> to Iris and her activism and galvanizing I, the people of Midland, Michigan to make this happen. Don't be modest. You got to scream it from the rooftops so that you can inspire other people to do this. She well, did this, people. She did it. I uh, have done it with the, the help of many others that saw the need and appreciated uh, what, uh, what a significant change it can make mm -hmm. in terms of integrating and welcoming people uh, with disabilities into regular kind of day-to-day -day life in our society. And this is the basic minimum for true inclusion. So I uh, share the kudos that you gave me with all of the members to access to community in the Midland Foundation because I did not do it by myself. But uh, then these, none of these are still in existence. We're just in the process of creating them. So give me five more years and you can come to <laughs> Michigan every time you're on vacation and enjoy our facilities. Ooh, can't wait. Uh, yeah, double meaning here on purpose. So uh, <laughs> basically uh, what I want to encourage you is to rethink accessibility. And while many organizations, architects and um, organizers are uh, thinking we have an ADA accessible bathroom, all problems are solved. I really want to encourage you to think about and beyond that. Make sure that when you rent a space that it has an extra, extra large restroom. And then if you cannot build from the ground up and make sure that your uh, facility includes a changing places restrooms, there are ways, simple ways in which you can accommodate and improve an already existing structure if it is large enough. The simplest of all simple things and the easiest to buy, and you can do that even at a yard sale, like my favorite uh, shopping <laughs> spree friend Alma would say. Uh, <laughs> yard sale is like a good place to find cheap uh, massage tables. And massage tables are meant to carry the weight of an adult. Most of them would have a sticker at the bottom saying the weight specification. So if you can buy an adult changing table for cheap, that would be a used massage table that you can open in, in a restroom and someone who needs a diaper change or a clothes change or just to get undressed before they use the toilet can enjoy the benefit of that massage table. The um, thing is that this is not just for people who are wheelchair users. This is very helpful if you have an adult with a cognitive disability in your family. It, it's very helpful if you're caring for the elderly and mm -hmm. just larger kids that are still uh, not potty trained. So something to think about. And the other item that you can buy used for relatively cheap and offer that transfer for an adult from their wheelchair onto the toilet or onto the massage table that you just bought is to buy a used Hoyer lift. And this is a little bit more expensive than let's say a $30 massage table. It can cost you a hundred or $200. But for that amount of money, I promise you, you'll be getting praises from all of your clients because people are going to love having that accessibility feature no matter if they need it for themselves or a loved one, or they just know of someone else who needs that thing. So go for it. Yeah. So these are all great suggestions. There's a lot more to talk about, and I'm sure that we'll be continuing to talk about accessibility um, and more sexy topics like bathrooms and, you know, 
but this is real life. This is the behind the scenes of, of having loved ones with disabilities. Dignity, we're talking about basic dignity and not being rejected from entering spaces where everyone else is included. So please share this episode uh, with, with your family, friends, business owners. We really wanna change the way, um, the, change the way people with disabilities can be included. Iris, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we close out this, this episode today? No, I would just say something that you can all remember. If you do use the principles of universal design, and if you make your uh, place of gathering accessible to all people, people that do not have a disability are most likely going to benefit from it as well. If you have an automatic door opener, it's not just useful for a person with disabilities. It also makes it much easier for the UPS guy to come with three packages in their hand for that uh, mother who's pushing a double stroller to go in. You need to think that disability is a part of life. And even if you're physically abled right now, God forbid you might break your leg tomorrow and then you'll need a wheelchair for a few months. And if you are in that position, you will be so happy to find out that your town is fully accessible to you. That's right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Iris, for all the info. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in. And uh, please remember to give us a five-star rating and a review so that more people can have access access to this podcast. So we'll see you next time. And thanks for tuning in. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.